Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. is going on rotor grinders welcome back to the morning grind this is still dean with you of course stevie is uh knocking out his nascar content that's why i'm temporarily hosting the morning grind of course if you guys want to get his nascar content you know where, where to do so here at rotorgrinders.com that said uh today we are going to continue our uh, dfs personality showcase or let's call it that why not uh with that let's bring in will priester you guys know him better as chief justice 06 what's going on chief Nothing much, man. H- happy to be on. You know, the morning grind is how I got started. Well, actually, I got started on the weekend grind and then the morning grind. But uh, the grind itself is how I got got started. That was my first little piece of content. So I am uh, I'm pretty excited to be on with you, man. And, uh, you know, you used to live in Charleston. And right when I kind of got my foot in the door, you just ran out of town. So <laughs> glad to be on with you. And I can hold you hostage for an hour. I, I, I'm happy to have you. I'm happy you, you, you're joining me. And it's so funny you mentioned that because, yeah, once we, we were kind of sort of basically neighbors. Uh, I was in Charleston. And you're not too far from Charleston. Uh, and, you know, once uh, once I figured that out, I was basically one foot out the door. And like I think I made like tentative plans one night. And I was like, yeah, let's meet up this night. And I feel like I may have like changed them on you at the last second. Did that happen? I don't know if it happened, but uh, if it did. I apologize. You know, that that part I can't exact no, I actually don't think you changed plans. I think I um I think I had a babysitter issue. And so I think I had to end up keeping my girls and I couldn't come out. And um that's how we ended up not linking up down here in the low country. But uh it's all good, man. I'm I'm sure uh we'll see each other again soon. Yeah, yeah. I have, I have family there, so I'll be visiting and I'll be be sure to stop by and I'm just happy to hear that wasn't on me. I thought that was on me, and I'm like, oh man. <laughs> I'm so if it's on somebody else, I'm cool. Whatever, that's fine. But I just don't want to. Do yeah, it's, it's all my fault. It's all my fault. <laughs> Blame it on the kids. They can't watch themselves. <laughs> You're five years old. It's time to grow up. <laughs> uh, you know, so uh, you know, well, uh, <laughs> you were doing the weekend, uh, the weekend show. Who were you doing that with? Out of curiosity, I don't remember. Was that uh, with Stevie as was, well, or no? It was me and Mangone actually at the time. Uh, the weekend okay. ride, and it was MLB too. Ironically, so um, that was. That was a, that was a fun little ride. We were just uh, we were just talking pre-show as far as uh, trying to keep sharp from a DFS perspective. Of course, right now, uh, no baseball, no Major League Baseball. 
uh, no football just yet, uh, no NBA. And like, well, you're, you have been playing, you have been dabbling in the, the TBT. And I think one of your contests goes live at some point during this recording. Uh, hopefully there's no late scratches. I've not yet dabbled in that. I've not watched that. Is that, what is that, like a million dollar contest? Is that, it's a, a Explain this. Do you know what it is? Do you know the origin of this contest? Yeah, I mean, it's this really big contest. Um, any teams can get in if they apply. So essentially, I could get a couple of my buddies from around <laughs> the area and, and try to get in the tournament. And, you know, if they accept me, I think they accept about eight teams per region or something like that. Um, but it's 64 teams and they dwindle it down. And whoever wins, you know, wins a million. And um, so, you know, it's a pretty unique thing. A lot of old college players are in there. Um, you know, some older NBA players like today, you know, I saw Joe, Joe Johnson will be in the building playing with. Oh, Oregon. is he? I was going to ask yes. who's the biggest name that, that I might recognize. Joe Johnson. Yeah, like, I, think, like I think Joe, old, right? Yeah. Joe is probably the biggest name playing today um, in the overseas elites, I think. So um, I'm sure he's going to be pretty high owned. Uh, I'll probably be under the field. I got to assume he's going to be about 70%. And you can tell we're getting back close to uh real DFS when I start quoting ownership percentages for niche sports. <laughs> but uh, at any rate, yeah, it's, it's been fun, man, just trying to get myself ramped back up because, you know, there's a million dollars on the line for two games on FanDuel, and I want to see if I can, you know, crack the egg open and get a million off of a two-game slate. If I do that, I'll be the GOAT. If, if you're putting a team together, I, I highly recommend you do not scout the, the Roto-Grinders team. You do not want any of those players that are the RG basketball team. <laughs> Uh, yeah, from what I've seen, the video footage, Nicole was shooting some video, of, and uh, they weren't very impressive. Crane, especially. Do not – I don't care how cheap he works. Do not sign Crane <laughs> in the squad. <laughs> I, it was uh, – I don't I, I don't think – did you happen to catch any of those highlights of the – I use the word I, highlights loosely. Uh, I caught a few, um, which I, I was pretty bummed out about that, too. I ended up missing the RG party. You know, I was supposed to be on Team Dan, and I feel like we might have took taken this thing down. So, Dan, I owe you a championship uh, trophy. And, uh, you know, if, as long as COVID-19 uh, doesn't become COVID-20 in 2021, then uh, I, I'll be there. Hopefully we can bring this trophy on home to Team Dan. He uh, he had – I'm, I'm using air quotes. He, he had an injury too, Dan. I'm not sure if you're aware of that. He didn't play either. So, the whole, oh, the whole no. squad, like, had, had different issues, I suppose. Yeah. I'm not really sure – he stacked them. Right. They had to play all 48 minutes, I think. It's all right. We'll, we'll run it back. We'll run it back. <laughs> what else are you dabbling in? I, well, I asked this, but I, I pulled up your Roto-Grunners page, and you've been dabbling in NASCAR. It says MLB, but I assume that's the KBO. Uh, some yeah, sports, yeah. Some golf. You're all over the place, man. Yeah, I'm, you know, I just throw a little something in there, here and there, just to kind of keep myself going. Um, like I said, I, I probably should be playing a lot more golf. I probably should just be pulling all my resources into playing golf. Um, cause I am typically pretty good at it when I play. I just, um, golf is a different type of research for me and, um, you know, trying to do that KBO at 5:30 AM TBT. And, you know, I mean, look, you know, me and, uh, me and Alan, you know, we got to grind out these Sims. We need our quarters. So, uh, you know, we, we've been grinding these things out. And that's just stuff I do to keep my mind fresh. It's not serious. I just go in there throw a team together and then, you know, whatever happens, happens. Um, but, uh, yeah, man, just kind of been, been dibbling and dabbling. I played a little bit of eSports, um, played a little bit of Counter-Strike Global, a little bit, Global Offensive, excuse me, played a little bit of League of Legends, just, you know, just picking and popping a, a few little things just to kind of keep myself going. Do you uh, play those games on your own? Were you aware of those games before they became a DFS thing, or is this just kind of like me? Like, I, I don't I, – I play some video games, but not those. 
Yeah, I mostly play sports games. So, you know, mainly 2K, Madden, uh, a little bit of MLB The Show. I'm, I'm not as serious about that, but those are kind of my top two, 2K and Madden. Um, I was a big NBA Live guy back in the day, mm-hmm. but, you know, they kind of went away for a while and 2K took over and I've kind of been exclusively on, on 2K. Um, it would be nice if they got NCAA football back. That was one of my favorite games. Yeah. But, uh, you know, all the licensing stuff with the players, but now the players can make money. They might as well just bring it back and, 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 and get that, get that product back going. I mean, it probably, I don't really go to GameStop a lot, but I got to assume a line will be out of the door around the corner for NCAA football. If it ever hit the shelves again. Yeah. I know people have been playing it on my Twitter feed. Like what is it? 2014. Is that the last year? I know people have been playing that a good bit and, it's fun to run the option. Like that that's kind of like a Oh gosh. Yeah. Oregon I, was I, my favorite team on, on that game, by the way. Just uh Oregon, I think uh-huh. uh, who was the quarterback there? It might it may have been Mariota. Mariota. It may have been. Like you may have gotten a Mariota team, but or Joey office... Harrington, maybe? Or no, is that before mm. before fourteen? That's I am probably not before. Sure. Yeah. Doesn't not, I'm doesn't. not sure. But their, their playbook, man, they just had so many they had like triple options and pitches and all this stuff, and it was just fun, man. So um, you know, that, that's usually who I played with when I was, when I was on it. And that's not even my favorite team. My favorite team is Ohio State. But that Oregon team on, on that game is just incredibly fun. I'm, I'm going to date myself, but I remember I'm old enough to have played uh, the NCAA contest, uh, the, the NCAA game with uh, Dante Culpepper as my quarterback. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we're, we're going way back. We're going way back now. Dante I had rep UCF, but the, yeah, that, that was a lot of fun. Uh, How's Ohio State your team? I know you're currently in South Carolina. Uh, Charlotte is, is your uh, pro team. Uh, are you originally from Ohio, or just is that what is the college team around that area? I'm trying to think that would be uh, going to pop. I guess the Gamecocks aren't too far away. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean the Gamecocks. So a little bit of a backstory. My whole family pretty much graduated from USC, and uh, you know they wanted me to go to UFC, USC, excuse me, but uh, I ended up with a full ride to a smaller school. So. Hey, it was either, hey, pay for half of my tuition, because I did have a scholarship to go to USC, but it wasn't full. Yeah. It was either, hey, you either pay for half of the tuition or you let me go for free. So obviously I ended up going for free. Uh, that was a no-brainer. But um, in terms of how I became an Ohio State fan, I was a huge Eddie George fan. Uh-huh. And uh, so that's kind of during his years when he was there, that's how I became an Ohio State fan. And I've just been a fan ever since. So, you know, I think Eddie George, I guess that would have been early 90s, kind of when I was watching college football. I was like, hey, I like that guy. And I've, I've been an Ohio State fan ever since. Yeah. Uh, but you say USC, it's throwing me off because my brain says, like, University of Southern California. And I'm sure everybody in South Carolina says University of South Carolina is USC. Is that yeah. what's going on here? Yeah, that's what they call it, USC, okay. University of South Carolina. Yeah, yeah that, that's how it is over here in the real Columbia, as they call it. Because, you know, now that now that uh, Missouri is in the conference, it's, you know, Columbia, Missouri, and Columbia, South Carolina. So the real Columbia, as they refer to it, is, is what I'm referring to. I'm not aware South of this Carolina be the real USC. Yeah, yeah. Is there another, a rival Columbia's that I'm not aware of? Oh, absolutely. As, as soon as Missouri came into the conference, that's what it was. Who's the real Columbia? Yeah, so Missouri plays in uh, Columbia, Missouri. Is that what you're saying? I yeah. don't know this. Yeah, and they're in the SEC now. That's the that's the kicker. Okay. When Missouri. When, so Missouri and Texas A&M came into the SEC in the same year, and um, that's kind of how that whole thing got started. Do you ever get out to uh, college games at all? 
or are you too far yeah. away or you're we too nah, old not, oh no no listen man me and which we probably won't do it this year but uh me my dad my uncle and my brother-in-law we typically go uh to charlotte every year for the belt uh not the belt the chick-fil-a classic kickoff and so the gamecocks are usually playing someone either you know north carolina north carolina state you know some team across the border and um that's kind of our, our annual guy hangout trip we go up there and watch the game, usually have pretty good seats. Um, I've been fortunate enough to be able to pay for them every year, which is which I'm sure they appreciate. That's my way of saying thanks, Dad, for being a good dad and stuff like that. And um, But, yeah, it's, it's usually pretty fun. Um, you know, we go up there, have a good time, and then, you know, we uh, – We, we, we tailgate No, we don't really tailgate, man. We, we get food at the game. Um, like I said, we try to keep it lax. I, I don't want to yeah. do too much. I've already got to drop. Now, when I lived up there – it was a lot easier. Um, you know, I just kind of go and they come meet me at the house. You stay overnight or something. But now that I'm about three hours away, roughly, um, I'll usually meet them somewhere and we'll drive to Columbia, pick my uncle up, and then we'll head on up to Charlotte. What kind of athlete were you in high school? I presume you played some sports. Yeah, um, I, I be- only played basketball. I ran cross country. Uh, cross country was more of a prerequisite sport. Uh, so if we were playing basketball and we didn't play football, then cross country was what we had to do. Um, and that was kind of a former condition. In the end, you know, cross country was really fun. Um, the only thing I didn't like about it was my cross country coach would, he had this old Mazda protege at the time, which, you know, now, now I guess I'm dating myself. They don't even make that anymore. That is this little Mazda protege. And uh, on Wednesdays, we had our five mile run. And uh, it was two and a half miles out, two and a half miles back to the school. And it was just really, you know, uh, hilly, uh, uh, I guess, path that we were on. Um, and what he would do is he'd get his Mazda protege, and then he'd drive next to us to see how fast we were running. <laughs> and just to, just torture us. He'd say, all right, Priester, uh, yep, that's a good speed there. And then he'd go to the next person. All right, yep, that's a good speed. And then he'd, he'd be at the end of the course at the two-and-a-half-mile mark with the eight-ounce bottle of water. He'd hand it to us. We'd drink it. And he'd say, all right, let's head back. And uh, so that that was kind of painful. But when basketball season came around, uh, we were ready to go. I mean, we were in supreme shape in terms of, you know, uh, conditioning. So, you know, I had a good time. So basically, if you're on the basketball team, he wanted to, yeah, it was yeah, they basically do both sports as far as cross country and basketball. That was encouraged. That makes sense. Uh, Unless you play football. Unless you play football. Then you don't have to do cross country? Right, because they overlapped. Oh, okay. Yeah. I got you. Yeah, what was your specialty yeah. in, in, uh, in cross country? What, what, what was the event? Well, I mean, it was pretty much all distance. Cause see, here's the cool thing about cross country. Cross country isn't like track where you want to come in first. It's actually really a, a team sport. So what you're trying to do is you're trying to get the best combined team time. So if you come in first place and let's say you ran uh, five miles in, I don't know, let's say 20 minutes. And that's, I mean, that's just, just hypothetically. Well, if the next person on your team finishes at the 25 minute mark, and then the next person finishes at like the 30 minute mark, and the next person finishes at the 35 minute mark, well, then your team average is going to be pretty terrible. So the idea is that you want to have, you know, maybe a guy finish at 20, maybe a guy finish at 20 and 15 seconds, a guy finish at 20 minutes. And And so you want to, you want to get that really good strong team time uh, to try to take it down, and that's that's kind of how you do it. So it's a really good team the whole sport. Time. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So it's 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 a good sport, man. I I actually enjoyed it a lot in the end. 
When was when was the last time you ran like you know, one to five miles? Uh, in high school. Look, <laughs> <laughs> sometime in high school. Now, now I will say this. You know, a couple years ago, prior to my my youngest child, um, I was you know kind of biking about ten miles a day, but and, and that was in the gym. It wasn't you know outside, but in the gym. Um, and I, I was doing ten in about thirty minutes. But I mean, and the bike is a lot easier than running. A little bit easier on your knees. So, um, but like I said, that was, you know, she's three now. Um, so, and I did ride a mile yesterday because I'm starting to do some basketball training with some nice. younger kids. Now, now that COVID's kind of taking away camps and stuff, you know, everybody's reaching out to their coaches saying, hey, you know, what can we do? So I've been training um, two guys twice a week. And so, you know, that kind of gets me out, gets me, gets me a little bit more active. But, um, but yeah, man, that's, that's kind of my, my life. I coach JV girls basketball. If you, if you listen to any of the pods, a lot of the people know that. But um, yeah, I coach at Somerville High School, and it's a it's a good little team. Oh well, yeah, that's it's not too far at all from where I was at. Uh, how, how did you get involved in that? Well, um, I started coaching. Uh, gosh, I guess maybe eight nine years ago, and I've been here five years, and I pretty much coached all. Mm, yeah, I've coached all five years that I've been here, and I started in middle school boys. Actually, um, that's where I started coaching. And then, uh, you know, we were doing pretty well. I got a call from the high school and they asked if I wanted to move up. And I said, yeah. And then after I told them, yeah, they said, well, it's girls. Have you ever coached girls? And I said, no. I said, but basketball is basketball. And uh, it's a little different because, you know, guys think they know everything and they want to try all the new moves. They want to be Steph Curry. You know, they want to shoot the, you know, the, the, uh, the uh, James Harden step back. They want to do all those things and they have terrible <laughs> footwork. And so you're like, hey, man. I know you can shoot that step back, but do you know how to pivot? And, you know, so that's kind of the difference with boys. Uh, with girls, they're typically going to listen more to what you say and try to execute. And, uh, you know, from time to time, not not all girls, but sometimes they listen a little bit too much to what you say. And I'm like, hey, let's balance listening to what I say and thinking for yourself. Like, you're still a ball player. Like, just go out and be instinctive, you know, and just kind of let the game flow. This is just a, a skeleton for you to work with it, you know. But, uh, but, yeah, so that's kind of what I, what I consider, you know, a difference between girls and boys. But uh, I like coaching them both e- equally. Both bring their own, <laughs> their own challenges. So diplomatic. You can't, you can't choose. I'm not going to give you a Sophie's Choice or whatever. I was going to ask. <laughs> no, nah, I mean, I, I, I like them both. Yeah. <laughs> and also, well, you're like getting, girls and boys are getting different ages, too, obviously. You're middle school versus high school and, you know, different de- de- developmental times as well, too. Well, what, yeah. are, you like a, are you like a D'Antoni type? Or are you just chucking the threes? Are you playing? You're grinding out some defense. Are, do I want to roster these girls in DFS or what? Um, let's see. If 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 I if I had a honestly, I probably coach a little bit more like Pop to be honest. And I, <laughs> you know, no, seriously, and I, I'm not saying that to to boost myself. And I'm not saying I'm Pop by any means. I'm just yeah, saying, I know what you're saying. Yeah, I'm saying the way I approach coaching, like I don't care how good you are, everybody's getting coached the same. Um, you know, I've had a you know, I've got a kid. That's actually that he plays at a private school down here. Um, really good man, really good kid. He was good in middle school, but he was such a ball hog in middle school. I mean, it was he was awful. Like, yeah, listen, he could probably drop thirty points a game in middle school, but he never passed the ball. And I told him one day we were at practice. I said, "Hey man, look, you could just you know take my jersey off and you can just go home right now." And that might sound pretty pretty aggressive, but if you play sports, you know sometimes you have to make a point. I said, "Look." I'm not telling you this. I'm not ashamed about it. I said, I want you to go home and tell your parents, I told you to go home because I didn't need you on my team. 
Wow. And his dad, his dad came back and said, Coach, I want to thank you for what you did with my son. That's what he needs. Because, you know, if you're not going to be a good teammate, I don't, I don't care how good you are. You know, this, this it's a team game. And, look, the crazy thing about team sports is the better players are going to excel anyway. But so you might as well just go ahead and be a good teammate because if you're sharing with them, they're going to share with you. You'll get yours. They'll get theirs. Everybody's happy. But uh, anyway, that, that's just me ranting. That's, that's, that's my coach rant to say I, I, I consider myself to coach a little bit like Pop, you know. Um, I think that's awesome what you did. That's awesome you did that. But I also think there's some sort of risk reward to it because I'm sure you get some backlash from some parents are not nearly as understanding as what you're actually doing. And I'm sure that's a lot of fun to deal with as well. Guess what? I'm going to be completely honest with you. I've (laughs) I've never got backlash from a parent. Oh, wow. That's good. I know that sounds crazy, but that's because I'm up front. Like I don't, I don't try to sell them the dream that every kid's going to play 30 minutes it's not, and I think that's especially in high school sports. If if you let it get a little bit too political, and I've seen that happen too, where a coach gets a little bit too political, and now he's got a kid playing because his parents on the booster club, or his yeah. parents donate donating money to the program. Look, everybody's on the even playing field. The the people that excel and do what I'm asking them to do are going to play more minutes, and um, you know, and, and and my goal is for everybody to play. Uh, everybody's just not going to play equally, you know, sure. that, that, that's the way it works in the world, you know, and I tell the girls that, Hey, look, in the real world, there's a manager, there's a CEO, you know, there's a CFO, there's a COO, <laughs> there's a, there's a, a, a branch manager, there's a store manager, there's a store associate. Guess what? None of those people get paid the same. They have, they all have their role to play. And it's the same thing on the court. You know, everybody can't be the same, but I'm going to coach you the same. Nobody's exempt from getting better, but the bottom line is everybody just isn't as good. If that was the case, if we looked at DFS, everybody would come in first at least once a week, and that's not the case. <laughs> if variance wasn't a thing, I would win every twelve. Oh, oh God, yeah, for sure, <laughs> for sure. I get I get it right every day. I never have an injury. I never have a guy shoot one for thirty. Like it just be perfect. Do you have a? You mentioned Pop, but you have a favorite coach by chance? It doesn't have to be basketball, but somebody. That's just sort of like that's the guy or gal. Yeah, um, I like Coach Don Staley. If, if we're going to talk about girls, I've got an autographed picture of her upstairs in my office. Um, that's pretty motivational for me. Um, just because she's in the area, and I, you know, I've met her before. Um, not like personally, just to talk to her, but you know, just met her at camp and stuff like that. So I've got an autographed picture of her. Um, I, I do like Pop as a coach. I've watched some of his um, philosophy videos, just hearing him talk about basketball and, and talk about how you approach the game. I like, I like pop. Um, an, another guy that I like that I think is actually, um, I'm not going to consider him under the radar, but I, I'm not sure if he gets maybe the type of respect that he deserves. I actually, I actually like uh, Doc Rivers and, you know, not because it, it's just, I've heard him coach in the locker room. I've heard him coach, you know, couple sound clips. I, I see what he likes to do. And I, I think he's a, a good coach. I think he's fair. Um, I think now that he has, doesn't have as much responsibility in uh, LA, I, I think it's kind of got him back to, to coaching the right way. And so doc is a guy that, uh, that I like as well. Was his voice always like that? Or is that just from coaching so many years? I always wonder like, because I don't know he's a guy that's constantly hoarse. I don't know, Dean. I mean, I, I, I've got to think that after all these years, his voice has just been that same way. Yeah. 
<laughs> he's the guy who's done a lot of coaching and a lot of talking. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you can certainly, unless you sound like that, like a 10, I have no idea. And there's no <laughs> idea. You mentioned, you mentioned college. You were talking about like branches as far as a bank too. And I feel like your brain kind of went there because uh, I just found this out the other day. You were uh, a financial advisor, correct? Is that, is that correct? Is that something yeah. 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 I was an advisor. Um, you know, how do you fall into that? Well, I mean, it's just kind of college, man. I got out of college, and uh, my first job out of college, I was the manager of a furniture store. They had this management training program for, like, college grads. And so when I got out, um, I went into that, and I kind of learned a lot about business, you know, learned how to kind of run a run a store, you know, manage payroll, you know, run a P&L, manage inventory, manage the staff, manage marketing, um, you know, manage lending, just kind of stuff like that. And that kind of got me interested on the business side. And then after that, you know, I went to the banking world and um, the rest was kind of history from there. You know, I started as a personal banker and then I started um, started a personal banker, kind of worked my way up within the personal banker role. So when you work at a bank, there's like personal banker one, personal banker two, personal banker three. And you kind of go through all these different steps. And um, so I was a personal banker and then. Uh, they added this title, you know, a, a business champion or a business advocate. Um, and so, you know, I got a, a chance to deal with a lot of small business owners and stuff like that. And uh, then I got licensed. So I had my Series 7, Series 66. And after that, I went into the advisory role. And How um, hard is that test, out of curiosity? I've heard people talking about um, Series 7. It's – if so for me, it wasn't as bad because I kind of been in the industry a little bit. Um, you know, I'd always kind of been in the stocks and stuff, and it's not, a, it's not all about stocks, but, um, you know, once you understand the concepts of it all, I think it's, it's pretty easy. If you're going into it blind, though, I, I will tell you, it's, it's a tough test because you're basically studying probably a month, a month and a half. It's like taking a, to me, it's like taking a college course in a month and then having to go take like the exam to pass it. And, um, you know, a lot of times with those particular tests, I think the pressure comes in where, you know, when I took my first exam, uh, if I didn't pass the exam, I wasn't going to have a job. So, you know, <laughs> there's different, yeah, different pressure for different people. But, uh, you know, when, when you're taking those exams, you better, you better buckle in because at the end of the, at, at the end of the road, if you don't pass and there's not going to be a job waiting for you, you know, now you're kind of having to look for something else. So, but yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's a tough exam for sure. You mentioned stocks. Is there a stock story you have? Like you bought uh, Apple like in 2000 or Cisco like in 1995 or whatever, whatever. Is, or is there one that kind of got away for whatever reason, like you had your eye on it and you just passed on it and you look back and say, man, if I only would have invested in X, oh, I'd be swimming. Uh, I mean, not, not really, not, not really, because I think, you know, I think you have to know what type of investor you are. When, when, when you're in the industry and some people, and here's my philosophy on it. And this is kind of because I came through the ranks, but you know, you know, if you've got $5,000 to invest more than likely, you probably just need to put it in a mutual fund and let it work for you because uh, you're going to have all the shares in, in there anyway. So, you know, a mutual fund is going to give you exposure to a lot of those companies that you're talking about. They'll have some Apple built in, they'll have some, uh, Amazon built in. They'll have some Google built in. They'll have some Microsoft built in. Uh, they'll probably have some Exxon built in. Just stuff like that. And a lot of that, a lot of what they have built in depends on the risk level. So, you know, if it's a what you call a large cap fund, then obviously you're going to have a lot of your larger companies in there anyway. And um, so you can build your portfolio that way um, and just kind of see what the, the top 
uh, companies out they have in there. They may have 10% of one, 3% of one. I'm just using that, just throwing numbers out there. Not nothing They're not specific. sexy though, right? Mutual funds aren't sexy. Well, I mean, it, it, They're it, safe, it depends. Apparently. Well, uh, no, is that wrong? Well, I don't, I don't want to get into that. See, now, <laughs> now my brain is. I'm, I, I added generally. About, I put a qualifier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, generally, generally, if you put your money in a mutual fund, all right, so I got to go here, especially if it's an allocation fund. So oh in, in an allocation fund, right, there, there's different funds. It's like a group of five mutual funds. You've got this manager trying to make it all work together. So if, especially if you're doing allocation, uh, I think allocation is definitely uh, a little safer than, than just say your, your standard, standard mutual fund. Um, obviously, I'm not trying to sell anyone. So, But, you know, I, I, I think mutual funds are good. Um, for the small or, or mid-range investor. You know, if you've got a million dollars to invest, um, you know, if you've got a, uh, an advisor, they can probably diversify your portfolio for you. Um, and, you know, but, you know, if you've got 20 grand, 25 grand, I would say a mutual fund is always good. And, and you should see the same uh, over time, you know, yeah. they, we t- typically run over time. You should see about the same appreciation as the general market as a whole. So um, at any rate, that's just kind of my my little take on it. <laughs> no, no, yeah, people want to play small sample sizes, I'm sure, and like uh, come back at you and say, it's gone down X number of percent in the last Well, yeah, days. I mean, look, that's why you get a prospectus with a mutual fund, you know, sure. and, and they'll, they'll give you, you know, a year out, five years out, you know, a year, three years, five years, 10 years, and they'll kind of show you how the fund has done, you know, over, over that span. And typically, you know, those funds are going to outperform any, any safe uh, savings account or money market fund or CD that you put in a, tra- a traditional bank, but uh, Let, let's uh, let's talk DFS. I presume. Oh yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> let's do that. I only have you for so long, and like I have so many more financial questions. I'm curious. That's something that kind of piques my brain, and something I'm into yeah. as well. And I'm sure you can uh, educate me. But uh, all right, so DFS. I presume you were in some sort of like season long league with friends, or you know, college people, or high school people, or family, and then that's kind of sort of like eventually one day you see a commercial and says. But what is this? This is, is this legal? Is this real? For DK or for Vandal? Is that kind of how it happens? Yeah, Dean, how did you know? Doesn't that sound like everybody's story? No, I'm just kidding. But uh, yeah, so I mean, yes, definitely season long. Uh, been playing with buddies and, you know, I was pretty, and honestly, I still have one season long league that I still play in for bragging rights. Uh, I have to do it, especially when they know you play DFS and they're like, oh, are you so good? Uh, that stuff, you know, but you're not going to beat us this year. Well, I probably am, but you can't uh, win. So, if you win, you're supposed to win. If you lose, like, well, right. how do you lose? You're an expert. Right, right, right. So <laughs> I, I do have one season long that, I, that I'm still in, and uh, that, that one I'll probably never let it go unless I pass away. And hopefully that's not soon. But uh, that's how I got into it. Uh, I had a couple friends uh, in Charlotte that I played with a lot that worked for a company called ADP, a payroll processing company. And um, – so, you know, I played with them for a good deal. And ironically, that's not the same one I'm still in. But, um, you know, the year I was kind of playing with them, we had this draft. Uh, God, I can't remember the name of the spot where we did our draft at. But, you know, same kind of scenario. You know, this this commercial comes on about winning. and You know, they're selling you the dream. And I said, well, I guess I'll try it out. It was DraftKings. And uh, I think I threw 25 bucks on there. Just kind of threw a lineup together. Um, trying to see how it would work. It was in a $3 contest, never forget it. And I uh, won five bucks. 
And I said, okay. So, you know, I, I, I won a little something. What but, is your deposit? I, you make a big deposit or just kind of like dip your toes in right away? Oh, no, no. 25 bucks. 25 okay. bucks. Yeah. That's what I put in there. Yeah. And so um, when I, so I played that week, you know, won five bucks and I looked and I did see that, oh man, somebody won like a hundred grand. Like, wow, that's, that's <laughs> cool. You know, that's um, right, right. And of course I played the next week. I think I might've won 20 bucks the next week or something like that. You know, a, a little bit more than, than what I did the week before. But when I looked in that contest, I think maybe E. Hafner might have taken it down two weeks in a row or something. I mean, it, yeah, at, at that time, you know, E. Hafner, Condia, um, who else was really Sahil? big at that term? Yeah, Sayo Su, yeah. Yeah, all those guys were playing and just kind of crushing it. And so I said, well – I, this can't be ironic or a coincidence if the same guys are kind of close to the top every week. So then I started Googling, you know, how DFS work, you know, how to, how to research, how to put some things together. And of course I stumbled upon Roto Grinders, obviously. And, um, you know, so I started, you know, watching the videos and stuff like that. And, you know, I kind of got better progressively. And then I ended up hopping off of DK and I got on fantasy aces at the time. <laughs> And on, on Fantasy Aces, I just kind of started building my bankroll. And I started getting a little better, a little better, a little better. And then I started playing off, well, a little better, a little better. I started playing off FanDuel a little bit. Realized FanDuel was much better for the way I approached DFS than DK, actually. And so, you know, I know there are a lot of people that seemingly like F FanDuel, but uh, I like it a lot because it keeps me profitable. And so that's why I play there mostly. Most important. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so... Um, that's kind of how, how I got into it. And then this, this is the real kicker to my, my DFS story. Um, a lot of people may not remember this if you're newer, but I know you remember it, Dean. Fantasy Aces was going bankrupt, and I had no clue. Keep in mind, I had a couple grand on there, I think. if I Yeah, a couple grand on, on Fantasy Aces. And that was kind of like my DFS bankroll, my lifeline. You know, I've, I'm sitting here telling my wife at the time that, hey, you know, I uh, – I'm getting really good at this. You know, at some point, you know, no, no more full-time job. This is it at some point, you know, I wasn't rushing it, but yeah. that's kind of, that was kind of my end game. And uh, I had a couple grand. I was starting to do a lot better on FanDuel. And so I put in a withdrawal request at Fantasy Aces. I said, I'm taking all my money out. I'm going to put it on FanDuel. I'm just going to focus. And uh, it took them a lot longer than usual <laughs> to give me the money. And um, so I, I was a little bit confused, but finally they, I did get it. And uh, I think about a week later, it comes out that they were bankrupt. And I said, Oh my God, had I lost, you know, a couple thousand dollars, you know, on a site, like I, I would have been devastated, you know, you might have been chased that, away from the whole concept, like all together. You might've been gone. Yeah. I mean, that, that may have, I mean, I would have had to essentially build my bankroll back up and that, that might've, that might've crushed me. But uh, so, you know, I kind of did that. And, you know, once I got rolling on FanDuel, I, you know, I just kind of got progressively better. Um, at the time, I watched a whole lot of Roto Academy. Like you guys, you know, you don't even know how much I watched Roto Academy, just watching videos, reading articles, trying to get better. You know, JM was there. Cheese was there. Um, Noto cards, I think. Yeah, no, all those guys. I mean, I read, I read all the material I could. And so, you know, if I can encourage new players, like, you know, give yourself time to – progressively get better like if if you win a hundred thousand the first night trust me it's beginner's luck you're not going <laughs> to repeat it anytime soon and uh you know so you Score need to have a good solid process yeah for sure i got you i got you 
But, you know, I, I got progressively better, and that's kind of how I got into the industry. And once I kind of went full-time, I gave myself some milestones to hit, some goals. And uh, I was able to reach all those goals except two at the moment. And, you know, if, if, if you've been playing any length of time, you probably know what those two are. Um, but I, I've reached every DFS goal so far except two, and I'm definitely going to hit those two at some point. Are, do you want to win a live final? Do you want to win a million dollars? Is that what they are? Exactly. There you go. There you go. I've made, I've made it. I've made it to a couple live finals. Um, didn't win them, obviously. And um, obviously, I want to want to want to take down a milli at, at some point. And um, those are kind of my my two goals that I have left standing. If I can knock those out, I'll feel really good about my uh, DFS story. Not that I don't already, but uh, you know, those are just some goals that that, that I want to. Want to want to accomplish? It's interesting because when I talk to people, like uh, a lot of times, I'll ask them, like, "What is your goal? Like, what are you trying to do?" And some people don't have an answer, and other people like just want to have fun. They just want to kind of screw around and take. T- I want to turn twenty dollars into a million. I want to have that dream. I want to be able to go to bed at night and think that this is plausible. And others just want to like build a nice positive ROI. And like, I don't play the tournament that's two million dollars total prize pool and a million dollars on top. Like, I'm not playing that unless I have a ticket and I'm forced to play it. Because I don't, mm-hmm. if my brain doesn't work that way as far as let's build a lineup that's so goofy, it's going to make sense and be a single outlier and, you know, embrace variance, yada, yada. Uh, but I guess you're okay with that. And you understand what you're doing and understand why you're, like, you're happy to take on that challenge. And I just, that's not for me, but it's awesome if it's for you and for everybody else. Yeah, well, here's, here's the crazy part, D. Watch this. Th- this will probably make you laugh. What if I told you most of my larger nights on, on, uh, in DFS are single bullets? Most wow. of them, most of them in, in, and, in large field tournaments, or you're talking about single entry. Well, no, no, no. And, 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 well, large field and and let's go single entry stuff like that. Um, so, for instance, my first night, and I, this is my this is my first big win in DFS. So I think it probably coincides pretty pretty good. It, it was in MLB. Um, I remember I stacked the Braves. Obviously, the Braves are my favorite team. I didn't stack them for that reason. They were facing some terrible pitcher. I can't even remember his name. But I stacked the Braves and kind of ran some one-offs. Uh, I, I know for sure – no, no, it wasn't you, Darvish. Who was the pitcher? Can't remember the pitcher either. That was another big night. But e- either way, I know I stacked the Braves for my first big win. And it probably was a single – Oh, they are probably facing them The Braves right? probably facing Yeah, yeah, they, they may yeah. have. They may yeah. have. But uh, the single bullet, and whenever I'm running single bullet, I pretty much run the same lineup in every contest. So <laughs> from the monster all the way down. Um, that's that's typically what I'm going to do. At the time, I, I didn't play the monster that night for whatever reason. I can't remember. But, you know, it was kind of getting late in the night. Uh, oh, I had Robbie Ray. That's who it was. Robbie Ray was, was my pitcher. And uh, I remember Robbie kind of cruising, cruising, cruising. He was at home. And, I, you know, I realized he was up to about five innings, seven strikeouts, no earned runs. I said, man, we might have a little shot. And Robbie kind of kept going. And for whatever reason – he was low owned that night, and I don't know why. Like I, I have no clue. But he was low owned that night, and uh, I started climbing, 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 and eventually, I, I hit first. And so now you're just trying to hope that Mike Trout doesn't hit a home run at like 1 a.m. Because <laughs> Mike Trout was out there, right? Mike Trout was out there. So you're just hoping. You're just like, man, if Mike Trout can just kind of keep getting walked, single and double us to death, we should be okay. And uh, I remember. I think I fell asleep and woke up and I pulled up my FanDuel account 
and looked at my winnings, and I had to take a double take because that, that the first time I, my first big win was around ninety eight thousand, and that was off of a single bullet. I mean, I took down the squeeze, the home run, everything you name it, first in everything. And, was this uh, possibly April seventeenth, two thousand seventeen? Does that kind of check out as far as the calendar in your brain? Uh, I, I pulled up your RG uh, account here, and a fifty-five dollar buy-in. You finished first out of five thousand on Fanduel. Same night, uh, the four-dollar buy-in. You finished first out of fifty-eight thousand. Yep. It's probably that's, that's probably it. That, that's probably <laughs> it, man. That, that's probably it. And uh, the the rest was kind of history after that, because that you know, uh, I pretty much walked out of the door. I, I worked another couple months, but at that point, you know, I had enough money to sustain myself. You know, and I didn't have a lot of debt at the time anyway, so. Um, you know, I pretty much had enough to kind of keep cruising. And after that, man, I just kind of took off, you know, I've had some, some other major wins, you know, along the way, um, especially during NBA season, you know, just kind of had some, some big wins. And I've pretty much been able to at least clear six figures in, in at least one contest every year, which makes up for, you know, a whole year's salary and some, you know, obviously I make a little more than that, but just every year, I know for sure I'm at least going to take one or two down that, that are going to give me that that six figures that six figure payday that that we're all kind of looking for. And usually, usually it's on a single bullet most of the time. You know, if you and you're looking at my history, I'm not looking at it, but uh-huh. most most of my big nights, if you look, it's single bullet. I didn't run, I didn't do MME or anything. Not now. I, I take it back two years ago or last year. I can't remember. Um, you know, I took down like the. Um, what is it called in NBA the, 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 in, on FanDuel? The seven seven the shot. I think I took down the shot for 100K, and I probably ran about 40 lineups that night or something, but I hand-built them all like because I wanted a certain <laughs> – but I, I did that because I wanted a certain way. I stacked a whole lot of Washington, a whole lot of Charlotte. Like I just stacked that game probably at least 20, 30 different ways, and uh, it ended up being right. I remember – I think I ended up winning by maybe a fourth or a tenth of a point or something because um, – Orlando ended up blowing out Milwaukee that game. So none of that. So Giannis and Middleton, all those guys didn't really play the fourth quarter. And that kind of kept me in first. And that was a couple of, I think that was maybe, I don't know, 2019, I guess. But yeah, at any rate, you know, it's, it's a fun ride. I know I've been hogging up the conversation, Dean. So oh, you're, you're good. You're here. good. This is all about you, man. It's not about me. I'm just here to ask questions. <laughs> um, take me through, uh, you know, the live finals. Uh, do you remember any of the sweats as far as getting there? Uh, what are your memories as far as actually being at the live finals? I assume, guessing here, you probably met some of the RG guys. Is that kind of how you got hooked up with RG, or is it a different story? Yeah, yeah. My, my very first live final was an MLB final. Um, I think that's the first time I met Hoop. Uh, for sure, that's, that's how me and Dan linked up, um, which kind of, you know, facilitated the path for me to be able to come to RG and, you know, try to provide some content. And um, But, yeah, my first live final, I'll never forget how I got there. It was a, a New York Yankee stack, and I actually won it on an early slate of all slates. <laughs> uh, won, won it on an early slate, um, and for some reason, the Yankees weren't that high owned. Like Judge wasn't high owned at the time, and I, 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 you know, I was just kind of shocked that that they weren't. But um, that's kind of how I got there to the MLB Live Final. And then the MLB Live Final, I didn't do as well as I wanted to. I think I ended up stacking the Mets against the no, it was the Phillies. It was the Phillies against a really bad Mets pitcher. And I can't even remember his name. He was god-awful. A lot of guys the Phillies, Oh, gosh. The Phillies just did not score runs that day. It was just terrible. Just <laughs> terrible. And uh, so I didn't Mike do well Pelfrey on that one. Something. 
Yeah, I mean, it was awful. Seriously. <laughs> the worst pitcher probably on the slate, and they didn't do anything. And and a lot of people weren't on the Phillies. Of course, um, I think – I can't remember if uh, if the uh, Rockies were on that slate or not. I don't think they were. But then – and then the NBA one, um, I, I'll never forget that one because I ended up stacking – uh, the Lakers game, there was a Lakers-Philly game, and it was a late-night hammer, and I remember getting Joel Embiid at like 2 or 3%. And I had Ben Simmons, I think, around the same thing, you know, 2 or 3%. And I think I had one or two Lakers in there. and So it would have been Julius Randle. He would have been there at the time. Yeah. And that's the night, like, Joel Embiid went off for like, I don't know, 70, 80. <laughs> and Ben Simmons went off for about the same thing. And, you know, so that whole game, and I think Randall probably had 50. I mean, it was crazy. So that whole are you, game. Are you up watching kinda, it? You're on the East Coast. Are you up watching that game like 1 o'clock in the morning? No, I was not. Yeah, I was <laughs> You wake not. up and you see you won. Yeah, you wake up, you see you won. And um, so that that was kind of how I got to my, my other live final. And uh, during that live final, I ended up playing um, Trey Burke at point guard. For like thirty five hundred, and I was the only person I think that had him in the in the in, in the live final out of like a you know seventy five to hundred spots, and Trey Burke goes off for like thirty. Oh, and so I'm thinking, oh yeah, this is going to be a good night, and I stacked the OKC Golden State game, and they just didn't get there, and then Phoenix and Portland went in overtime or something. I was like, well, there goes that, and so that, that's kind of how my second live final went. But all in all, man, crazy crazy good experiences. Um, definitely want to try to get to another one. I need to at least check off the NFL life find. I haven't made it to one of those. Um, and yeah, let's see if we can, we can take one down. You mentioned, uh, well, you mentioned course field. I saw on your Twitter, uh, a general rule. You just never play course. Yes. That's, that's my general rule of thumb, Dean. Uh, and, and here's what I'm saying. If it's a normal slate, right? So I'm not talking about like a two game midnight slate or, sure. You know, something like that. I'm saying, you know, four or five games, um, more than likely, I'm, I'm going to fade Coors. And probably not even more than likely. As a general rule, I just – I'm going to fade Coors every time simply because I don't feel like you get the return over time that you need. So, you know, Coors is only going to have, in my opinion – and, I, you know, I guess I should get some data to back this up. This is a data-driven business. <laughs> but uh, I don't feel like if you play Coors, you're going to get – 15 to 20 runs, you know, once a week. That's not how it works. You know, a lot of times you'll stack Coors, and it's still just a normal three to five game. You know, they're going to have their couple games a year where they go off for 15 runs or 12 runs. But generally speaking, they're not going to outscore the average team. I mean, if you pull up the rankings right now, the Rockies aren't scoring the most runs in the league. If I mean, if you pull up from last year, it's probably like, I don't know, Probably not Boston last year, but I don't know who it would be last year. Cause I can't, I'm, I'm sure Minnesota's up there somewhere yeah. scoring a bunch of runs. But you get what I'm saying? They're not well, – How you score the them too is important. I, I'm pretty right. sure Coors is not uh, the league-leading uh, ballpark for homers. It's a better doubles and, and triples ballpark. than It's a good homer yeah. park, but it's not yeah, like, it's yeah, an amazing yeah. homer park. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, tip, generally speaking, you know, I'm not going to load up on Coors – at all. Um, you know, if, if Trevor's story fits in against a lefty because it works against my other stack, okay. But, you know, you're not going to catch me playing four guys from Coors. And the, the other reason, too, is because you're playing them and the prices are inflated. So who's going to be more important to me today? Is it Max Scherzer against Miami? Or is it Coors against, 
you know, Jeff Samarja. It's absolutely <laughs> going to be Max Scherzer against, you know, the Marlins. And that doesn't mean Max has got a clear path to 12 strikeouts, but the likelihood of Max going eight, seven innings, 10 strikeouts, in my opinion, is more highly likely than, you know, the Rockies scoring 12 runs against Jeff Samarja. You're talking my uh, cash game baseball language, like arms are more predictive than bats. There you go. Uh, I, I do want to get yeah. to some fun stuff. I only hate have you for so long because we're up against yeah, yeah, the clock, yeah. unfortunately. Um, not that this wasn't fun. <laughs> I didn't <even> like <laughs> uh, you're a Hornets fan. That's not fun, actually. Terrible segue, Dean. Uh, oh my what's gosh! It like being, what's it like being a Hornets fan? Um, it's like watching the same show every day for the past ten years. Hoping you're going to get a new episode, but you never get it. <laughs> it's always a bad episode. Yeah, that, that, that's what it's like. But you know, I've been a fan so long. Um, I, I think uh, I don't think we've drafted well, and, and I'll say that because you know the best draft pick we've had in the past you know ten years has been Kemba, and now Kemba's gone to Boston. And, hey, I get it if you didn't want to pay him the max contract and stuff like that. You know, there's a monetary aspect of the business that I think a lot of times us as fans, we don't don't completely get because we're not in the front office. We're not looking at the salary cap. We're not looking at, you know, what's going to make sense for the team financially. But I think if you draft better, then you can work out the finances a little bit better on the back end. And so I'm looking at all the guys we've missed on particularly one year when I said, man, we need to draft Devin Booker. We need shooting. We need <laughs> shooting. And I think we either drafted Noah Vonley or Frank Kaminsky. I can't even remember what year it is. <laughs> but when we did that, and I was at the arena for the draft, because, you know, they have the they let, yeah. they let fans come into the draft. And I was at the arena, and I just sat there for about five minutes in just total <laughs> disgust. I mean, it was just god-awful. And so if you look, if you look at Devin Booker now versus – the other two guys that I've mentioned, it's like night and day. And uh, so those are some of the mistakes I think we've made over time. Um, I, I think we've switched coaches a little bit too much. I don't think we've hired the right coaches. I think Steve Clifford was a good coach, and then we just let him go to Miami. And, you know, it's just – I'm not Miami, Orlando, excuse me. I think it's just little things like that that I feel like we've whiffed on over time, which just keeps setting us further and further back. And um, that, that's kind of the disappointing part about being a fan. I think the highlight of me being a, a Hornets fan over the past 10 years is the fact that they're the Hornets again and not the Bobcats. I, I think that's kind of the, <laughs> the highlight of my happens. fandom. <laughs> <laughs> they were the Bobcats for like five years, maybe four years. Yeah. Like, that was a yeah. weird time. Uh, yeah. I thought you were well, saying the I, highlight was, uh, well, this is even worth more than 10 years ago, obviously. And I'm not exactly sure how old you are, but like the old school Hornets, uh, Lonzo, oh, LJ, Muggsy. Uh, yeah, you had Rex Chapman before he became this like Twitter phenom. Yeah, I mean the best man, and even after that, you know the David Wesley era, the Eddie, the Eddie, uh, Eddie Jones era. Eddie um, Jones. Del, you know, Del Well, Del was kind of there with the older guys. You know, Kendall Gill was there. Mm. Um, let's see who else. Um, Fun team, good uniform. Well, I mean, and, and then here's the other thing: then we we picked up the team, and we moved to New Orleans. And they get yeah. Chris Paul and they get AD and you know what I'm saying? It's just like, gosh, man, you know, you, you pick the team up, you move them. Thank God they changed their name to the Pelicans so we could get it back. But it's just been, it's just been tough sledding, man. And uh, hopefully, uh, who's the other guy? Oh, the three-point shooter. Glenn Rice. Glenn Rice was there. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, yeah, that's I, what I I'm saying. That. Like we had, we had, uh, we had some good, 
good times, man. But they they just kind of slowly faded away, and, and hopefully we can get those back. But I don't I don't think that's going to happen with this current team. It's not looking very promising. Yeah, as a Miami Heat fan, I loved Bryce back in the day. Like we, yeah, that's basically his two teams. I think he ended up. Yeah. I think he was a Laker at some point. Uh, a cup of yeah, coffee. Yeah, chasing else. the championship probably. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Did you did you stick with the the Pelicans when they moved? Were you a Pelicans fan all of a sudden, or you're like too bitter? No, because they became happen. the Bobcats. So I, yeah, listen, I'm I'm sticking with my with my team in Charlotte, but I guess I, maybe I should have moved, but I, I wouldn't have been in that much better shape with you know all the other good teams up there. I, I guess I could have been a Zion fan now, but I don't really care about that. I'm forgetting now. Did the entire team move, or did, yes? I, I, okay, yeah. The, all the players moved to New Orleans, right? Yeah, yeah. The okay. owners just packed up and took it away. Oh, that's just brutal. Um, so I went through your Twitter timeline. I, I'm going to say your favorite TV show is The Office. Maybe. Oh, yes. Yes. That, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, the Office is probably one of my all-time greats. And listen, it's a quirky show. But, man, it's just it's such, it's such a dry funny until it makes me laugh all the time. I mean, I've watched The Office all the way through at least three times. Okay. And um, it's uh, – it's just funny, man. Um, I, I mean, it's just a funny show to, to me, anyway. And, and I, I've actually, I've actually started watching Parks and Recreation recently because I wanted to try to see can I get it. And it, it's been funny. I mean, I, I've enjoyed it as well. But man, The Office is uh, that's, that's definitely my all-time favorite for sure. It's so funny because I had that conversation multiple times about the Parks and Rec too, and. The tricky part of Parks and Rec is it starts, it stumbles out the gate. It's not that good. It's fine. Yeah. It's not special. It takes a yeah. season or two to kind of find its legs. They, they change the cast up a little bit. But once they, yeah. find, their, once they find where they're at, it's a really, really good show. But no, uh, Yeah, I think I'm in season four or three or four or something like that. Um, I think I'm where uh, Leslie Nope is, is running for office now. And so, yeah, we're kind of we're in, the, in the sweet spot of it all. Yeah. And, uh, you know, she's got her little boyfriend that she's trying to uh, hide from the public, and uh, the, you know, uh, Anne, Anne, Anne is all confused about uh, Anne Perkins. Yeah, Anne, Anne Perkins. <laughs> Anne Perkins. Yeah, Literally. you know. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So, oh god, that's so funny. But uh, yeah, so that, that's kind of where I'm at in the show. Um, and so, yeah, I, I'm kind of in a groove now with it. it. It's a good little show, but you're, you're absolutely right. You know, I mean, out of the gate, it's, it's god awful. It's but I yeah, just kinda, you gotta be, you gotta persevere, you gotta power through. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, so you've seen the office three times through. Do you have a favorite episode or two that kind of pops in your head? And like non core four, non core four uh, character members, uh, your favorite two or three like fringe characters, I guess the supporting characters. Um, well, listen, let me give you my favorite quote from the show and I, I've said this quote probably a thousand times I don't know why it makes me laugh so much but it's an Andy Bernard quote of all quotes it's an Andy mm-hmm. Bernard quote and so Andy says well they say you can't mix business with pleasure well tell me I want to know how in the world do you run a putt-putt golf company <laughs> that's like you, my favorite quote you tweeted from, that out I remember saying yes that's like my favorite quote from that show of all time uh so yeah and then my other favorite scene um, and I'll get to my characters in a minute, but my other favorite scene is we've got Stanley. Mm. And uh, so so Ryan is there, and Stanley's daughter's there. She's trying to hit on him. <laughs> and Stanley <laughs> he got him in the back. Oh, my God. He's got him in the back, and he's just screaming at him. That is a little girl. Do you hear me? Look at me when I'm talking to you. Nobody can save you now. I don't care if it's Jesus. Like, it's just so 
funny. And then after, and Kelly's after, watching and like she's like jealous of the situation, right? Right, yeah. right. And then this cut scene. Then it's the cut scene, and Ryan's like, "I've never been so terrified of any of any person <laughs> in my life." <laughs> so yeah, man, that's that's probably like my other favorite scene. But um, in terms of in terms of I guess fringe characters, um, hmm. Because I, I guess I kind of essentially like them all, and they all kind of play their own role. Um, Except actually, like Nelly. Nobody likes Nelly. Yeah, I mean, but yeah. Nelly, Nelly was a needed part of the show for a little while. <laughs> um, I think my best friend's character is probably um, not Daryl. What's the guy from the warehouse? The Chinese guy. Man, now I'm forgetting yeah. that I don't know who that is. Am I but because you know because he, he didn't appear in a lot of episodes, but every time yeah. he says something it was funny, I do operation on guy in Yakuza. Who is it? He day, yes, I do operation on guy from Yakuza. And I have steady hand, <laughs> steady hand. I operate. And you know, and, and essentially at the end of the show, you find out he actually did kill the guy on purpose. But during the show, he didn't really, really let that on. So yeah, he's got. I think he's kind of my my favorite French character. But you know, he comes in way later. Like you know, when they're going. I think that's probably even almost after Michael's gone. But uh, but yeah, he he's a good friend. I, I like I like his character a lot. Producer Devin coming through in our ears, letting us know the character name. Ironically, producer Devin, especially when he has the beard going. Correct me if I'm wrong here, Will. Uh, he looks like Moe's a little bit, right? Oh, all right. No, I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say that, Devin. I don't mean it as an insult. I'm not. I'm not agreeing with this. I cannot. I cannot put my stamp of approval on this at all. Uh, I'd give him more Andy Bernard when he comes back from that that island vacation that he had for three months. And, oh, okay, so here's another one. And Andy's not my favorite character, but for some reason his moments pop pop in my head. Uh, this is another favorite moment of mine when Andy comes back from the vacation, like nothing's wrong, and it says, "So Angela." Uh, do you have any checks for me? It's like, hey, bro, you've been gone three months. You want to collect your checks? <laughs> yeah, funny show, man. Funny show. We have a couple minutes before we step aside and get out of here. We did a show the other day on sports cards. Check that out, by the way. Check out our sports card show. You appear uh, regularly. Uh, that's good times. And you're obviously starting to collect sports cards. I'm just there asking questions mostly. I used to collect cards back in the day, and I'm just uh, educating myself listening to you guys. But uh, you, you came in uh, quoting wrestling. So I'm curious, who is your favorite wrestler? Uh, maybe power rank a couple that kind of pop out for you. Man, look, I mean, I, I feel like I kind of grew up in the golden age of wrestling. So, you know, uh, I think my favorite wrestler actually is Sting. Sting would have been my, my absolute favorite. Uh, next to that, in terms of personality, I mean, I just feel like Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Rock are like 1A, 1B. Like when those two personalities were on – at the WWF at the time, uh, you just could, I mean, it was just good entertainment. And then of course, you know, how I felt about D generation X. They had their group. Um, you know, that, that was a good one. Um, let me see who else. Uh, well, Goldust, think- not Goldust, Diamond Dallas Page was another one, <laughs> but he was more WCW though. Diamond D- Yeah. DDP. You know, I, I like DDP guys that had a lot of personality. Those are, he got in a lawsuit with Jay Z over that. You know, he got in a lawsuit with the the, the diamond color, the symbol, I believe. Are you aware of this? That I did not know. <laughs> that I, I don't remember know who was suing who, but somebody was somebody suing somebody over using the symbol or whatever. And I don't know how it yeah. went, but the, if only makes sense. Google. Makes sense. Makes sense. <laughs> uh, the other thing we talked about pre-show. Let's power rank these three before we step aside and get out of here. You may be hungry. 
Uh, we were talking about donuts, and now let's throw oh, cookies and, and cookies in the conversation. Yes. Power rank. Power rank donuts versus cookies versus cupcakes. Oh man! So look, I, I'm gonna give I'm gonna give cookies the leg up here, and the reason why is there's so many good cookies. I don't think you can beat a good Oreo dipping it in that in that milk, man. You just oh god, a good a good old fashioned Oreo in the milk. So you classic myself, Oreo, or you like one of these funky flavors? No, 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 classic. Now, in terms of secondary Oreos, the cinnamon bun Oreos are really good, Ooh. but they don't make those all the time. But cinnamon bun Oreos, those are good. But a good classic Oreo with a, with a glass of milk, man, that, that is great. Um, then you got chocolate chip, you got sugar, you got snickerdoodle, you got <laughs> white chocolate macadamia nut. I mean, listen, cookies are great. So cookies, I think, are going to be number one. Um, for me, and it's got to be specific, let's go Krispy Kreme donuts specifically, number two. When they're hot. Uh, Yes, when they're hot. I mean, when the glaze is just dripping <laughs> on your hands as you eat them and you take a bite and then all the flakes are all on your shirt, it's just a good time. And then lastly, obviously, uh, cupcakes. And I, I like cupcakes and cake and uh, regular <laughs> cake, but cookies, yeah. donuts, cupcakes. That's that's my power ranking. There you go. Uh, we're going to end on a high note. There you go. That's We're going to end strong with uh, desserts. <laughs> I'm going to leave you hungry. I apologize for that. Uh, much more I wanted to get to, but, uh, you know, we're up against the clock. I thoroughly enjoyed uh, our conversation. Will, thanks, thank for, you, thanks for joining me. Anything else you want to say? Feel free to say to the people out there, I guess, stay tuned. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll have some coverage as far as sports soon enough, I imagine. Hopefully. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, let, let's hope the bubble the bubble keeps the bubble in uh, Orlando, and, and we'll have some, some sports. And then baseball is supposed to start – almost a week earlier, about six days, I think it is, before the NBA season. So, uh, everybody, let's let's get excited. Uh, let's don't leave KBO. We still need them at 530 in the morning, <laughs> just, just in case things don't work out. Please yeah. continue to fund your KBO contest as well because we, uh, we don't want to miss out on those small prize pools uh, in the event that these other sports shut down. Much appreciate your time. That was Will Priester. You guys know him better as Chief Justice. I was Dean. This was the Morning Grind. We're out of here. Holler!